and welcome to another episode of Yala Bird. Bird, 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 bird. The thrice, occasionally twice weekly podcast where we talk about current affairs and the latest news, but always with a touch of what? Humor, ha-has, the funnies, the laughs, the everything positive. Yeah. Woo. Yeah. And if you're wondering who that voice is, obviously this is Terrence here, the regular uh, one half of Yellowbutt. But if you're wondering who that voice is, today in the studio, we don't have just one, not two, not three, not four, not five, but all six packs of Rishi Budrani oh in the house. <laughs> yeah, hey, pleasure to be back on Yalabad podcast as the token Cindy man in yes. the room. Yes, yeah, as, as everyone knows, Harish is away this week, so we do need a token Cindy person to give that perspective and add some diversity to the discussion that we're having. That's right, and get a discount on any potential <laughs> deals in the future. Yeah. Cindy's for the win. But for those, uh, you know, we've got a lot of new people on the podcast because of uh, YouTube. For those who don't know, Rishi, where have you been? But Rishi, can you do a quick uh, one-line intro of who you are and what you do? Oh boy, one-line. Okay, okay, so to sum up my career of 12 years in one line, I will tell you that uh, I tell jokes for a living the drunk people in bars around the world and sometimes theatres, and I like to hum while I piss. <laughs> hum while you piss. Uh, that's yeah. uh, if you had a dating profile, uh, that will be on your dating profile. I don't, you know, that's <laughs> oh, that's a damn good question, man. I don't know if I, I don't know if I tell people I, I, that that I hum while I pee on my mm. dating profile. I probably won't. But I assume, I assume you missed that whole period like, when uh, dating apps were the rage, right? You know, you're married, you know. Yeah, well, I mean, da- dating is a tough game, you know, especially mm. if you're a married man, you know. So I don't do it anymore. <laughs> I try to avoid dating as a married man. They only got those uh, what Madison Avenue, those cheating, those cheating apps. Uh, they encourage married people catch, to cheat. catch cheating, <laughs> catch cheating, catch spouse. cheating spouse. <laughs> oh man, that was such a big ad on the back of taxis, man. Mm. If you've got a profile on catch cheating spouse, I think um, yeah, there's something wrong there. Hey, well, this is maybe off topic, but I've actually once in my life had to speak to a private investigator from Catch Cheating Spouse before. Oh, fucking seriously? I'm not even joking. Like uh, for work or, or, or play? Uh, or play? Well, this <laughs> not not even play. It was actually a pretty serious thing in the past where oh. um, some someone wanted their services. They okay. didn't have access and then asked me if I would help make the phone call because they were feeling awkward. Oh, They were not able to. <laughs> so I call, I call up the organization and then this PI... Yeah, gives me a call back and tells me, you know, that you know he's been in the game since the seventies. Oh shit! I think his name was Mac Mac Magnum. Is it Ma- Magnum? He called himself Magnum or something. Oh, <laughs> uh, Mash! I don't know. It was some really retro set. Like yeah, this dude yeah. was like MacGyver he, or something. <laughs> James or James? It was a James, James. Bond wannabe <laughs> from the seventies. Uh, and he explained the process very easily. He said, "Look, oh, you know, uh, we yeah understand. You know, if you've got someone you want to uh, uh, the target in uh, what's this called uh, overseas, you want to have some information, can uh, wow. we can get that for you? But uh, I'm the person who can uh, testify in Singapore court. So uh, if you want, I will be the one flying over, getting you the information. Also, he's not from Singapore." It is from Singapore, oh, so, from Singapore. So, but okay. they've got a network around the uh, world. Got it, got it, okay. So wow. like, let's say if you are a person and you suspect your spouse is cheating on you yeah. in, uh, I don't know, in, in, in Bali, 
Mm-hmm. Uh, I wish I hope you're listening. <laughs> <laughs> He's there with his spouse. So oh, with your spouse. Like, low likelihood. Okay, okay. Low yeah. likelihood. Uh, and then you, you you want to check on then they, I don't know I'm, I'm guessing they've got a network around the region la, yeah right yeah. That, okay my person in this place is so and so and uh, they will help you to monitor and then they'll give you like uh, hourly updates or what if they wow. see anything going on they'll send you WhatsApp screenshots and all that it's uh, I mean it's sad if relationships comes to that uh, yeah. uh, that level or that, that aspect of, of, of life but you know but if, they knew they knew that you were not the person actually. Oh yeah, yeah. I literally went uh, asking for a friend, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, they were like, "Yeah, okay." He's an older dude, lah. You know, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. he look. I think with these things like uh, divorce lawyers or, mm. or, or or these kind of issues, they they understand it's just their job. Uh, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah, it's yeah. a business. They try to reduce the awkwardness as much as possible. They yeah. like, okay. These are the facts, and these are the things you need. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't think this is what we intended to <laughs> discuss today. But hey, you know what? It's part of news and current affairs because everyone's cheating. Yeah. And this podcast was brought to you by Catch Cheating Spouse. No, it's not. Hey, would you like to talk to them about sponsorship? <laughs> fucking great if like the two of us are talking here and then they're like, oh yeah, that's a great place to advertise our services. <laughs> Welcome to the Yalabad podcast brought to you by Catch Cheating Spouse.sg. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so speaking of uh, job, and, and that's that's a job, and that's a business. Your segues have still the same, uh, bro. Yeah, still the same. I literally... <laughs> Just force any words in there. Speaking of uh, jobs and everything, yes. I can't wait to hear what you're going to say next. No, but what have you been up to? It's been a while since you've been on podcast. And it's been, uh, you know, like a pretty crazy few months, I would suppose. Um, what what What's the latest update on Rishi Budrani right now? Wow, uh, this year has been, uh, the first half of the year has been not as insane as the end of last year. Mm. Uh, mm. Last year, 2022, was uh, a lot going on and uh, I deliberately took a bit of a breather for the first few months of 2023. Yeah, I was just burnt out, man, creatively, mm. physically, or mentally. I just needed a bit of time uh, because I genuinely believe as creatives, we cannot operate as factories. Mm, correct, correct. You yep. can't operate as a machine, as a factory, because the relationships you're building with the audience, the content you're creating, mm. it's eventually going to show yeah. that, oh, okay, this person is now just going for consistency in quantity. Yeah, You know how in social media, you say you just got to put stuff out, just keep putting up, putting up, putting up, putting up, eventually your audience will grow, which is true. Mm, uh, mm-hmm. But perhaps my approach is, look, I'm okay to disappear and lay low for a while while I work on my next thing and while mm. I work on my next project while I creatively let some things brew and creatively let some thoughts and ideas and concepts simmer. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so I did a bit of that in the first couple of months, traveled a little bit, got some ideas mm. and then I just launched my new show happening in mm. September. Where, where'd you go during those few months? Uh, I took a bit of a detox break in Thailand. Mm, mm. Um, I was up in the mountains uh, at the end of the year after I finished my last project last year. Mm. Uh, I don't know. We've, we, we didn't talk about can I make you a suit mate? I we did actually. We did on this talk show? a little bit. Um, I believe so, yeah. yeah. Okay, didn't we? that's yeah. cool. So that was the last major project that I yeah. live show that I did last yeah. year, right? And it was a very emotional, fairly well-received, sold-out run at the Esplanade. Mm. Uh, but it was very emotional because it involved me going back into my roots, yeah. interviewing old uh, family members, finding yeah. out about how my family came to Singapore and turning all of that into like a comedic storytelling improvised show. Yeah. It took a lot out of me, you know. So mm-hmm. 
in December, I went up to the mountains with my wife. We just took a bit of a breather in uh, the northern Indian part of Uttarakhand. Mm, mm. Uh, saw her spiritual guru. Oh, seriously? Yeah, wow. man. Uh, and then, you know, we, we, uh, I've, been, I've been working out, you know, been a, on a bit of an alcoholic detox as well for the past one month and a half. Okay. Uh, I went to Thailand and for the first time in two decades, I went to Phuket and did not have a single drop of alcohol. Wow. So it's really, it was really like a spiritual detox also in some ways. In a way, I mean, like the ocean, the, the sunshine, it all kind of heals me. Yeah. You know? I think nature, as I, as I grow older in my 30s, I begin to appreciate nature a lot more. Mm. But what I did learn is that, you know, Singa beer? Yeah. The brand is Singa. Yeah. Uh, they have jumped on the bandwagon of this health uh, vicissitude. Okay. And now you can go to Thailand and get Singa, zero calorie, <laughs> sparkling lemon water. <laughs> wow. Zero sugar, zero calorie. And that's all I had all trip long. I was like, this is not really beer, but it feels like a beer. It's just a bit of carbonated water, a bit of fizz, yeah. a bit of lemon. And you get to say, oh, I'll have a singer. Yeah. At the same I, time, right? <laughs> I, told my tra- I told my trainer, right? I'm like, hey dude, I had five singers today. He lost his mind. He's like, ah, oh, what? You're supposed to be on a cut, on a detox. Let's go. And I sent him the picture. He's like, oh, okay, okay, sure. <laughs> so the trainer, you're still like, like observing a regimen when it comes to like your diet and everything also. It, well, I, I try to fit in a few uh, milestones and a few goals every few months okay. just so that I'm, you know, not setting myself up to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, look, if I actually touch it, you know, something happens, don't play this as like my <laughs> memorial, like, hey, what Rishi said, oh, yalla, but uh, you didn't want to die, but look what happened. Okay, no, but in all reality, um, I try not to, I try to maintain some kind of long-term goals mm. uh, by including little short-term goals. Like uh. last year, we had something yeah, and then the, the, that was the the cover of the magazines and all that. Well, yeah, well, all that kind of happened as a spitball, uh, yeah. sorry, like a domino effect, right? Mm. The first images went out and then Straits Times went out and then Yahoo Fitspo went out yeah. and then Esquire went out and then I did the ambassadorship for uh, Standard Chartered Marathon. Mm. And that's a lot of fitness-related projects for, yeah. uh, for a comedian. You know, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> for the guy who was the fat goalkeeper at the goalpost of the basketball court as a kid, it's a lot more than I expected to do in my whole life, you know. So I, I kind of enjoyed the the process of, you know, learning about my body, learning about training, learning mm. about diets and all that, man. So And, and what the more beautiful thing was that after looking at our work, we managed to inspire a lot of other people to start their mm. journeys. Mm. And I might have said this before, but there's some people who I would normally see in clubs at 3 o'clock in the morning now. I yeah. see them in the gym at 7 a.m. Wow. And to okay. me, that's, that's the biggest win, you know. People. And you know that it was you, you was, like, your stories that inspired them. Like. Yeah, they, I mean, they straight up tell EJ, hey, uh, I want the Rishi Budrani package. <laughs> uh, I want to do the Rishi Budrani <laughs> transformation package. <laughs> it comes with a, a cover magazine shoot at the end of the <laughs> And a chance to, you know, be on national media and all that. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I think there's just, I think the aesthetic, what, what I've come to terms with is that the aesthetics are, a, a nice byproduct of mm. the actual foundational health work that you should be doing. That's mm. my, my my aim is that lah. Yeah, but do you do you feel that there was a because of that there was a imbalance in the spiritual side versus the physical side and the the work side of things like that's why you you went on this 
spiritual journey? I'm not a very spiritual person in all honesty. Okay. I mean, I don't think I am at least. Yeah. You know, I feel like I am, uh, yeah, I, I do enjoy the nature aspect of things. I do enjoy sunshine. I do enjoy water. I do enjoy mountains, greenery, all of that. Uh, and I think... Uh, the, maybe I haven't discovered a spiritual side of myself. My, mm, my wife, mm. though, she is very, okay. you know, and she, that's why we, when we took some time out together, it was to do some things and, you know, as married men, we know yeah. that it's all about some compromises. There were some things that were important to her that we did. So mm. we did that and there were some things that were important to me that <laughs> we did. Well, what's important to, to you as the, the man? Have a singer the- on the beach. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, to me, uh, I enjoy going out to, you know, the ocean, uh, okay, okay. being by the beach, yeah. laying in the sun, you know, looking at pretty people. <laughs> I, look, man, it's, I'm a, I'm a loyal, faithful man. Yeah. But, you know, you, you want to see pretty people. Of course, yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. But you get, you get some discoveries as well, uh, like, you know, because we were completely sober the whole trip, we were really sharp as well. Yeah. So we picked up a lot of things. Like, you go to this, like, you go to, like, a, a nice resort by the beach. Mm-mm. And they have these um, little pamphlets with activities that you can do in the morning. Ah, okay. You know, like, oh, you can do a, a yoga class on the sunrise. Yeah. You can do a Muay Thai session with a mm. professional... Then there was one we saw, beach cleanup. <laughs> you mean like with the tongs and everything? Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, who goes on vacation? You pay like a few hundred bucks a night for yeah. a nice resort and then you wake up clock and clean the beach. You know who does it? White people. <laughs> because they're the ones who be dirtying the whole beach all night, getting drunk on it. And yeah. then they wake up, they're like, actually, we um, Maybe we should clean this a little bit. It's the it's the white man's guilt, right? They try literally <laughs> they try to wipe out. I saw the thing. Uh, I asked the lady. I said, "Sir, ma'am, this beach cleanup, how much?" Uh? she said, "Sir, it's free." I said, "No, no. How much are you going to pay me <laughs> to clean your beach for you?" Uh, oh. These are some uh, real things that we did, lah. Uh. Oh, okay, cool. But but so you also have a very transformative journey coming up, lah, right? I think you you told me before this that you're headed to the Big Apple itself, New York City, for like an extended period. And it's not just to visit friends or family or get drunk or anything. What are you actually doing there? Well, in all honesty, man, I'm uh, I'm going back to New York City after 10 years to... uh, Wow, I guess it's to figure out where my place is in the world of comedy. Mm, mm. I think... Yeah, I don't have answers. Yeah, I don't have specific goals, which sounds really flaky. I know, uh, but I feel like whatever it is I'm looking for, uh, that's where I might find it at this point. Okay, okay. And I reference it because ten years ago was the last time I went to New York City as a young green comedian, not really sure of anything. Uh, but when I went there for the time I did, I, I managed to do some spots at some of the you know biggest clubs in the world. I managed mm. to meet some really inspiring people. Uh, none of this was hundred percent planned. A lot of it was kind of work in progress. Yeah, and a lot of those lessons that I took back then changed my entire life and my perspective on stand-up comedy. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe I feel like I've worked ten years. I hopefully have become better as a performer. Hopefully, I've become a little more sure of myself. I want to go back there and see where where I lie on the in the bigger scheme of things mm, you know mm, uh, and it will involve a lot of rejection I'm sure yeah. it'll involve a lot of doors being shut on you it involves a lot of uh, you know no's being told to you uh, yeah. 
and going from Singapore where you know people kind of know you and are familiar with your work a little mm-hmm. bit at least going to this bigger ocean where most people probably don't know or don't care who you are yeah i'm going there armed with just uh, me and my jokes mm-hmm. my perspectives and see where that lands me so it's going to be a solo trip for for you for right this. now until uh, i pick up some hitchhikers along the way it's uh, still just me lah got it wow yeah. but and then, and, i mean it just so happens and this perfect timing that you're here on this podcast yeah and that you're headed to New York City and that we are actually going to talk about something that everyone is still buzzing about and talking about a lot. Uh. Uh-huh. And that's the topic that um, last week that exploded, uh, right? Mm. Which is the Singapore-born uh, comedian, Jocelyn Chia, going viral for putting up a clip that she re- which she recorded in New York, a New York comedy seller, a New York comedy seller club, right? Yeah. Um, where she made certain... Uh, jokes and certain uh, references to Malaysia and MH370 that has riled up the you know people on both sides of the causeway, but but literally has caused an international incident uh, where mm-hmm. where government officials from Singapore and Malaysia kind of had to you know uh, issue press statements and things like that. So uh, I know you've already been on some podcasts and some uh, some mainstream media outlets to talk about this. Uh. But I think we're here to really understand what is what is what is going on and and what were your immediate feelings when you first heard and saw mm. everything that was taking place. Uh? Yeah, yeah. Hey, actually, I haven't been on any podcasts. Oh, really? Okay. Wow. About, about it's this, a, it's a world exclusive. And yeah. uh, I mean, just full disclosure that we planned this date. <laughs> a couple of weeks in advance, even before no. this issue, and came it was up. planned based on Harish's like uh, freaking like trip or so. Yeah, so yeah. it was not like it's not like we this this could shift around that easily or what. But it just so happens that happened last week, and here he is, yeah. Rishi Budrani. Yeah, it wasn't. It's not like a like oh this happened and Rishi goes on a podcast to talk about it. No, yeah, I mean yeah. uh, I'm, I'm uh, here to talk about the current affairs and the news, and this just happens to be in the news. Yeah. Um, I will say is very distressing and sad news for mm. a few reasons. Okay? okay, but I think to understand what went wrong, yeah, maybe it's important for our audience or viewers, listeners who may be uh, the representing the layperson mm, enjoying mm. stand-up comedy. Yeah, what some of these processes involved? Ah, uh, okay, right. So the obvious elements of stand-up comedy are mm. the. Oh, you, maybe you can tell me what do you think are the obvious. Uh, uh, aspects or the elements involved in a stand-up comedy routine. You've got the comedian, the mm, performer, yep, yep. the the audience, the audience, yeah, yes, yeah. obvious, and the uh, content, the content, yeah, right. Uh, I was going to add that the you know the the location, you know, the promoter and the location that they they're doing it as the well. The venue, the venue, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, that's good. So these are very clear, mm, obvious mm. aspects of it, right? So. The way, uh, at least, okay, I don't speak for the entire comedy community, but me as a stand-up comedian and a lot of people I know the past 10 years, what we do is that you have a thought or a premise or an experience or a yeah. joke. You write it down, you go to an open mic, you test it mm. with a live audience. Yeah. If you get the feedback you want, yeah. you keep the joke in. Mm. If you get, if you don't get what you're looking for, you go back, you rework it, you maybe change the angle, change yeah. the line, change the joke, change the word, whatever. Yeah. Uh, I always say the audience is the best teacher, mm. right? So mm. you you continue this process uh, until you are happy with your tight five minutes that you've been receiving feedback and adjusting based on. Yeah. Then you expand it to 10, mm. 30, 
and you get one hour of material yeah. and hopefully there are people around the world who come and watch your hour. But, but to clarify, when you say feedback, you don't mean like audiences coming up to you and filling, filling out a feedback form saying, hey, that joke wasn't good or what. You're no, no, literally no. You're talking about how people are reacting in the middle of a show. La. That is the most real and unedited, involuntary, a laugh mm. is mm. an involuntary feedback. Yeah, yeah. Right? You can't, you, you can say, you know, how you know how people say, oh, I laughed uncontrollably. Yep, it's yep, uncontrollable yep, yep. laugh because it's an involuntary reflex action. If, yeah. the, if the bit is good, you know, you, you laugh. You won't think first and then go, mm, let me think about whether I like that joke. Oh, let <laughs> me write a feedback form for this. Yeah, no. yeah, yeah. And, and that's why I think stand-up comedy is meant to be mm. and best enjoyed as a live yeah. art form. Mm. Even when you watch it on, on Netflix or on uh, TV or on any OTT platform, yeah. part of the joy of that stand-up comedy show experience mm. is hearing the laughter of the live audience in the room. Yeah. Uh, you, without that, it's just what? It's like a VJ hosting <laughs> a mm. camera mm. Telling, yeah. trying to be funny there. You know, it's not the same, right? Yeah. So I think with all these processes, right, the three aspects of audience, or rather the four, like you said, the audience, the location, the comedian, the joke. Okay, mm. you do that, you get your set, and then you do it. Yeah. Now the f last and most complicating aspect is the medium, mm. Mm. which is what I feel has caused this uproar. Mm. If you take a two-minute excerpt of a longer show mm. and you put it out, your audience is no longer that audience that you've been testing your jokes on. Yeah. Your yeah. audience is no longer these comedy fans in New York City mm, mm. that you've been practicing your material on. Your yeah. audience is now the entire internet. Yeah. And now the stakes have changed. The rules have changed. Mm. Because the rules of, of uh, engagement for content, whether they are perceived or whether they are official, are different for each medium. And this is not just in Singapore or Malaysia yeah. or whatever. It's even in the US, all over the world. Yeah. There are certain jokes that will, will be passed on TV. Certain jokes will not. And that's where maybe you hear those things in the stand-up comedy clubs. Mm -hmm. So what happened was this, this routine that was put on the internet was completely, well, almost completely rejected by viewers mm. on the other side of the world. Yeah. To me, if I had to break down... Uh, what exactly happened? Okay, taking away the uh, uh, taking away the discussion about the merits of the performance mm, and the joke itself, mm. because look, we can go into a completely different uh, analytical discussion. You know, because I've heard people talk about oh, stand-up comedy, you must punch up, mm, cannot punch mm, down, you must be likable, you cannot yeah. use it. all that is a different discussion. Yeah, right. And because it's such a subjective art form, everyone is entitled to. Enjoy it, yeah. dislike it, you can hate it if mm. you want. Even the apologies that have come out from the High Commissioner and from uh, our Minister of Foreign Affairs, mm. I think they are valid given the geopolitical sensitivities Singapore and Malaysia have. Mm. What I disagree with is the hatred and the vilification and the cancel culture mm. and all the mm. doxing and the yeah. online bullying aimed at the performer. Mm. To me, that is the saddest part of the whole thing. Mm. Yeah. Other, I mean, other than the fact that, you know, the, the material didn't go as planned. It hurt a lot of sentiments. Yeah. It upset a lot of people. Understandable. Mm. But if 
the reaction is to do the same to the other person, yeah. then we are, who are we as a society anymore? Yeah. So, so I mean, you covered that, that process of what a stand-up comedian goes through in terms of, uh, you know, how that material gets out there. But can you just situate um, for people who might not be comedy fans or not even know that much about the scene in New York, like performing at a comedy cellar, uh, you know, uh, a, com- a comedian from, you know, that's more about from Singapore or Malaysia, that region, performing in New York City at a comedy cellar. Where, where does this, is this like a very... Um, sought after, you know, like like the pinnacle of like you know being able to perform at some somewhere like a comedy cellar, and you know, hearing the response from the audience in her joke uh, in the videos that she put up, uh, it didn't seem like they were you know like really upset or heckling her or anything. Yep. So so what what was that? What do you think from just your understanding of the place? You know, where does that? How what is that club and the atmosphere like? So. The Comedy Cellar is probably one of the uh, most sought-after stand-up mm. comedy venues in the whole of uh, the US. Okay. I think world-famous stand-up comics, uh, when they drop into New York City, they, they, that's where they... One of the mm. few clubs they want to go to to perform. It's got a you know a rich history uh, and it's got some of the best comics going through there. Yeah. Um, I take a point that, you know, when you watch the recording, mm. when she's performing the routine, it's not like it's a silent crowd. Yeah. It's not like someone's asking her to get out of the room. It's not like yeah. bottles are being thrown. It seems like she does get some responses, mm. some reactions. Uh, in fact, um, I think there was an interview on the New York Times that she uh, uh, was uh, uh, interviewed on where mm. she shares that uh, this is a routine that she had reliably, quoting this, uh, performed a routine mm. reliably included in her sets for more than a year. Mm. Okay. Um, and I think this is something, this, this is a joke that she had been doing for a while. Yeah. Right? And I, I read also that this was a performance recorded sometime in April. Okay, yeah. Um, and the comedy seller put it up first. Oh, yeah. In my understanding. Mm, just to mm, fact check that. Uh, but okay. I think the comedy seller also definitely released that clip. Mm, mm. So, by all accounts, taking all of this into account, it seems like the New York audience that attends these shows mm. were not offended by the bit. Mm, yeah. Right? Yeah. And like I said, the rules in a stand-up comedy club are very different than mm. when it goes online. Yeah. Because your audience now has changed. Mm, mm. You are no longer just performing to comedy fans in New York City where maybe some things can uh, can go down a little more palatably. Mm, mm. Unfortunately, the moment you take it out of that context and you put it on online, then it's it, it becomes a free-for-all mm. like we've seen in the past. Yeah. Sometimes it's justified, sometimes it's not. Yeah. You know? But so in a sense, would you... Would you, if you were performing there, would you insist that uh, people don't record the performance or even the comedy seller itself doesn't record and put up these performances? Because like what you said, like, it, you can't control it once it's taken out of that room, like, right? Yep. I, uh, I would say that I think it is a collab, it should be a collaborative mm. decision. Okay. Because with stand-up comedy, uh, you are in a way, the, the, you are the writer, you are the director, you are the performer. Yeah, it is your work. 
Mm. Right? And mm. I wouldn't sign off my work to anyone else. So for, uh, it's different if I have a deal with Comedy Central where I'm going to record a special mm. and that that performance, yeah. uh, they have the right to do what they want with it. Mm. And I've signed that off and I've yeah. agreed to do that, right? Anything else, I think if uh, I would like to be in control of which of my clips go on the internet. Mm. Mm. Because it's very easy for someone to take my one-hour show and snippet uh, and take 30 seconds here, one minute there, three seconds here, four yeah. minutes there, and prove something that, uh, or try to prove thing. something that is not really the case. Mm, 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 you know what I'm saying? Yeah. This is not what happened in this case. Yeah. This was a proper, I mean, it seemed like it was a proper thing, but I think to answer your question about, oh, sh- should I be in control? Yeah, every comedian should be in control of what they want out there. Mm, okay. But you, so you mentioned that she has been on the receiving end of a lot of hate, uh, hatred and very rough comments. Uh. But, but um, like, uh, would you say that, because uh, this is something that Harish and I did discuss the last time we talked about this, that at the same time, I think she, for example, her TikTok account, you know, has grown by over like 10,000 followers or something like that. Yeah. So there is that, that aspect of um, you are getting a lot of buzz from it. Mm. Uh, I did tell Harish, like, you know, there's a difference between, you know, getting a lot of buzz and you know mainstream media like saying oh you're, you're saying what's every what's on everyone's minds that's why you're being uh you're being heckled or, or persecuted or whatever but it's a very different thing when everyone's like oh it's so disgusting it's terrible you're a terrible human being it's mm. very different kinds of uh buzz like, that you're getting mm. um in this case is there any uh like you know positive upside to the kind of uh reaction she's receiving like in terms of getting more followers, likes, or people standing up for her, saying freedom of expression and all. Yeah, I, I, from my understanding, again, referencing this, uh, this New York Times article, because mm. I mean, this is one of the few uh, articles that explains her take. Because we've seen a lot of, I mean, at least I've consumed a lot of media from the Singapore Malaysia side. Yeah, you know, and that yeah. that uh, that angle is very clear. And again, because of the difference in the geopolitical sensitivities, I think mm. that is also very valid and justified. Yeah, but to give an idea of what it's like. On the other side of the world, I mm-hmm. think she has said uh, in one of these lines here that um, although she is getting uh, uh, hateful behavior, I think people are trying to um, give, it says your comedy seller received 4,000 one-star reviews on Google Oof. overnight. Wow. You know, so there's, there's an organized, well, maybe not organized, but there is a group of people trying to take down this entire movement. Yeah. Yeah, but it also on the flip side, I think she said that more people want to come and see her now mm. because they just want to understand. Oh, what is it about? Yeah, this yeah. controversial comedian mm. uh, that has got everybody, uh, in, 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 got everyone so riled up. Um, so if you really wanted to see an upside, maybe that's it. Maybe mm. there's there's some silver lining to that. Where yeah. you know, uh, I don't think. I don't think she'll be welcome to work in Malaysia. It's my <laughs> it's my feel now. <laughs> I could be wrong, you know, but uh, I, I I think it will be challenging for her to work in Malaysia. But mm, you know, mm. in in New York City, it seems like you know, her work is there. People yeah. are supporting her creative, uh, well, her freedom of expression. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it's it's very different. The yeah. way audiences receive this is very different. But but how is it different from like say? When Fuzz, you know, yeah. like I think years ago he was uh, Faka Fuzz. Uh, I think he made a joke uh, that just sort of alluded to the then Prime Minister Najib being a thief, right? Yeah. 
And uh, yeah, he had to come out, do an apology to people in Malaysia and everything. Mm. Um, but yeah, he, I mean, he's still, he's still very popular there. Yeah. And, and I think if anything, that drove up his popularity in the region, right? So what's the difference between that and what's going on here for Jocelyn Chia? I think the difference is whether you, as a performer, you want to continue working in that city or that country. Mm. I think, uh, again, only only Fuzz can uh, verify this, but I think at that time, even when he put out that clip, yeah, uh, it's not like he did it with the intent to never, well, I don't want to work in Malaysia. No, yeah. it was like, you know, I want to build a Malaysian following. You know, and this is a joke that I think is funny. And, oh, you know, everyone's upset. Okay, never mind. You know what? I take it back. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to say that. You know, mm. Malaysians, you're still my fans and everything. So yeah, that that apology, hopefully iron things out for him. And yeah, now he's able to go back there and work there. Yeah. 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 I think that's, what's your intent? You want to go back to that country mm-hmm. and, and do shows there? Yeah. yeah. But for Jocelyn, uh, Jocelyn Chia, she hasn't come out with uh, an apology specifically to not Malaysia to my, or anything. Not to my right? knowledge, man, bro. Mm. And, then, and then, um, how do you, how is the, how is the two things? Like, one is the, how is the comedy seller, you know, uh, taking this? You know, all these uh, comedy scene in New York, how are they reacting to this? And how is the comedy scene in the region, like in Singapore, Malaysia, reacting to this as well? Uh? Uh, I don't know the f- the specific facts about the comedy seller's response, but the okay. latest I've read is that they have, they have taken down mm, the mm, clip. Mm. Um... But I, I, uh, they've taken on the clip because of all the backlash and all yeah, that, like, yeah. Because you know, people are giving like four thousand one star reviews. Yeah, yeah. It affects business. It's yep. like, we're not in the business of this, mm-hmm. and uh, I don't speak for them. But I think that any comedy uh, establishment will want to respect and defend the right of a stand-up comedian to yeah. perform the material that they wish to perform, mm-hmm. and let the audience decide how they take it. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's what I understand from it. Again, I don't speak for them because okay. uh, I wasn't in the room at the time. Yep. I don't know what the facts are right now, but this is what my opinion is on that. Yeah. Has that, but I mean, uh, before we go on to the next thing, but has it affected, you know, what your, you know, your plans for are for going to New York and everything and, and the material and everything that you're going to bring up as well? Uh, has that affected it? No, it's got, it's, I mean, I'm reflecting. I okay. definitely am. Okay. Uh, I am still trying to get in touch with various clubs mm-hmm. to kind of let them know what I do and who I yeah. am and all that, you know. Um, I do, I'm not suddenly going to change the way I've worked for 12 years mm-hmm. because of mm-hmm. one incident. And someone did ask me about this, you know, am I yep. going to adjust or tweak the way, am I going to hold back? And, no, I, I, I don't feel that. Uh, I feel part of the job of a stand-up comedian is to um, to jump through some moving hoops of fire like a circus mm, act. Yeah, yeah. And as an audience member, you see us going places where maybe you would not go. Mm, maybe mm, you have mm. thought about but you don't dare go there. And then in that live room, you kind of gauge your audience, you build a relationship, you build some trust. Yeah. Yeah. And then you take them to places and sometimes the excitement lies in literally and figuratively putting them on the edge of their seats. Mm, mm. And then you give them some kind of cathartic release with the mm. laughter. They're like, oh, wow, wow, wow. They went so close to the line and then tiptoed <laughs> a little bit and then came back and oh man, that was fun, man. <laughs> oh, it's like, uh, you know. Yeah, yeah. And because uh, 
okay, I speak for myself here. Yeah. My approach, right, mm-hmm. is that you know I, I I do go close to the line, but I also the the idea is to flirt with it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, to take your audience on a little bit of that that. Um, the tiptoe a little bit and then you bring them back and you're like, oh, wow, he brought us to the line and he brought us back safely and everything's okay. This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but because you go so close, mm, mm. sometimes comedians get it wrong. Yeah. It's always a risk. Part of the, part of watching a stand-up show is that you're taking them on this journey. Right? Mm, mm, but because you're mm. in a live room, you read the room and you decide as a comic, can I take this group there tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Can I bring you there with me tonight? Mm. And if you do it long enough, you understand that, yeah, okay, this room's with me tonight. And some days you're like, oh, shit, this room is not with me, man. I yeah. don't think they will let me talk about these deep, dark thoughts I have. Mm. 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 So, yeah, I think that's that complexity is part of the job. Mm. Yeah. So, so it's, I, I mean, uh, I think like uh, when I've been to your shows, definitely like last year, I think like right after you hosted NDP, you had your show and uh, you literally like throwing the line about talking about, you know, people that were worked on the show with you, right? From the establishment and everything. Yeah. And I was like, wow, uh, it's pretty, pretty ballsy to be, to be like talking about them right after, like the week after you just finish this giant project with them or so on. Well, that's why I'm not doing NDP <laughs> this year. <laughs> No, no. I mean, look. Uh, in in all frankness, I did invite yeah. the yeah they were there the, the yeah. characters that I created based on my experiences, yeah. you know. Um, and I think as human beings, you understand certain things, right? Yeah. That you you desire that human connection, that authenticity, that mm-hmm. uh, that that realness that I feel uh, good stand up comedy does offer, yeah. still does offer, and it is very clear mm-hmm. to an audience they can smell bullshit a mile away. Yeah. If the person I'm talking about is sitting in the room uh, and they feel like I'm deliberately saying things to put them down mm. or be mean to them or deliberately uh, uh, assassinate their character, then even I won't be comfortable calling them to my show. Yeah, yeah. But the fact is that uh, I feel like even when I was doing jokes and doing routines about my experience, that it came from a place of positivity. It mm. came from a place... Yeah, I'm, I'm joking about all of this... Yeah. But the reason I can is because of, you know, this relationship that we built, this this fact that it's coming from a place of fun and positivity mm. and authenticity. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's why the audience let me go there mm. in, my, in my past shows. Yeah. So, yeah, you, you, I mean, uh, you talk about something about, um, yeah, like you had those relationships with people before you, you made jokes about them or invited them to your show and made jokes about the characters around them, right? So, in this case, um, Justin Chia, mm-hmm. she's Singapore-born. But she's no longer, uh, supposedly not no longer a citizen, uh, right, of Singapore. Well, um, this uh, again, uh, yeah. it remains to be fact checked. But it says here she was born in Boston, holding oh, okay, an okay. American Singaporean citizenship until oh, adulthood. Okay, okay, yeah. okay. Um, but in that sense, like uh, people are saying, like, oh, you know, she's not even from Singapore, mm. and and she's making this joke and causing a international ruckus and all that. Do you think it would have been any different if it was, let's say, like a, a you know, a Caucasian dude yeah. like, who was living, who had maybe lived in Singapore, Malaysia before, and now he's back in New York City and making these jokes? Yeah, do you think it would have been different? Of course, I don't. I don't think people would have cared as much. Mm, I don't. Mm, I don't mm. think people would have given much thought to it. I think the 
the, the fact here is that um, what seems to have emotionally or, you know, affected people in a negative way is, you know, the fact that, again, the geopolitical yeah. closeness of the two nations, the history and all that, uh, that seems to be the, to me, the, the swing vote in a way, one of yeah. the swing votes, yeah. right? Because I'll say this much, in my 12 years of stand-up comedy, mm. I've heard a lot of jokes about tragedies being cracked. Yeah. And I've heard people from all walks of life being the audience laughing their asses off at these yeah. jokes. There are comedians of um, Muslim descent who have built mm. entire careers post 9-11 yeah. on jokes on terrorism. Mm. I have been in rooms in, in Singapore and Malaysia where jokes about 9-11 have been done yeah. by local and international comedians and people have gone ha 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 so I don't think it is specific to uh, I don't think it is that you mm. shouldn't be joking uh, about a certain topic I think yeah. there are certain sensitivities that you need to probably approach mm. things with um, and knowing which audience you're performing these jokes to yeah yeah but th in that case like um Okay, so I I mean there there was that that whole thing about uh yeah, she's born maybe or she was born in Boston, American Singapore citizenship and all. But like talking about uh uh her her where she came from, mm. you know, being from Singapore and all that. Um like in your in your own personal uh feeling about it, like right? Uh is it wise for someone who you know is Maybe the, the, the links to Singapore aren't that strong anymore, right? Mm. As a comedian, would that be something that you would want to put in your routine? If yeah, you, know, you, know, you grew up in the region and everything, mm. um, but you're also talking to an audience from New York that, mm. that maybe doesn't even know anything about the region or the, the nuances of the relationship between Singapore and Malaysia that's, mm. as, as well. Do you think it's something that you would put in your routine, like especially since you're going to be there? Wow. I... Uh... I don't currently have much material about Singapore, Malaysia that I travel with to an international audience. Mm -mm -mm. Uh, that's the reality. Um, but I think referring to yourself as mm. uh, someone from Singapore, for example, yeah. in a place like New York City, does give you some kind of differentiation, mm. right? Okay. Where everyone okay. is, you know, from Boston or Colorado or from Brooklyn or, you know, someone is... I mean, maybe you're American-born Chinese, American-born Korean. Yeah. When you go on stage or when you identify as um, Singapore-born, people are like, "Oh, there's something different." Yeah. I don't um, tell me. You know, mm. I think that is that 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 differentiation is one aspect that kind of maybe gets your audience to pay attention to you a little more. But what you can do with that yeah. as a comic, that's the the next step. Like, mm. you know, what do you do with that with that uh, information? Yeah. Well, well, I'm only asking because. Uh, a lot of people on social media, TikTok and all, mm. are taking it that this is a like a Singaporean Singapore person making fun of Malaysia. So they were literally like replying in the comments and like some TikTok response videos that, "Well, oh, you are Singaporeans. How about how about the fact that we can turn off the tap and then you don't no water anymore, or you know, <laughs> you don't even have land to bury your ancestors and things like that." Oh you know? wow, it was going to dark places. So. To okay. me, it was like, wow, fuck, Malaysians are really riled up about this and they're really blaming uh, Singapore as a country, which is why I kind of got 
like okay, that's why the high commissioner and all that had to step in and make a statement, lah. Because people are mistakenly thinking that yeah, this is Singapore's is Singaporean doing it, lah. So that that's that's what the whole thing about was quite. Um, at first, I was like, oh, you know, why are we apologizing? Then next day, mm. I was like, okay, I, I sort of get it, lah. That they, they kind of have to draw a line in the sand and say, yeah, she's not exactly one of one of us right now, mm, and then mm, that's mm. it doesn't represent what we think, lah. Mm. Uh, but what do you think of the the official like government responses so far? Wow, I uh, I don't remember it verbatim, but uh, I I remember thinking that okay, mm, apology is justified. It's yeah. not it's not something that I didn't think it was a knee jerk reaction only yeah. because of how uh widespread and how how it had spread like wildfire mm, mm. and how uh, you know and once you got like protests outside the embassy <laughs> US embassy and, oh, <laughs> <are you? laughs> um yeah i th- i think it, it was a weighed decision like a lot of mm. uh, political and diplomatic decisions are for singapore it was it was well weighed and mm, mm. Uh, well thought of and kind of investigated fairly properly okay um maybe it would be different and trickier for them to do or to address it if it was one of us in singapore mm. working mm. comedians with some some kind of like local uh grounding local footing yeah yeah uh, that would have been even more problematic mm. and maybe would have been more challenging for the diplomatic team to handle. Yeah, yeah. But I think given uh, the fact that this was a stand-up comedian who doesn't base herself here anymore, yeah. you know, she's based in New York, she obviously has a different market and a different goal. Yeah. Uh, uh, which also, I, I say, led to some of this 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 disparity, like how come... Uh, how come these jokes are working so well in New York City? Mm-hmm. And the moment I put it online, Malaysians got upset because you know when you perform in New York City, you're not performing to the entire internet, and yeah. you're not performing to potential uh, to like victims or friends and family of the tragedy and all that. Mm-hmm. And as much as this might sound like a uh, uh, a done and dusted kind of discussion between Asian and Western values. Mm. I still think there is there's a large population that subscribes to that that Asian conservative mm. value mm. of a hey, bro. Don't talk about this. Uh, don't rock the boat. Don't, and uh, this yeah. one, how can you say this? Yeah, yeah. this yeah. one not okay, le, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is again understandable, given that you know you're dealing with um, these two very different societies. Mm. Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, I mean, unfortunately, those apologies were needed to quell the the storm that was brewing. Yeah. But then now, you know, there's other complaints already. Uh, mm. Like, why Coldplay only perform in Malaysia one night? <laughs> four nights in Singapore. Why four nights in Singapore? <laughs> you know, like the news and media cycle works very fast and it's difficult to get a handle on it. It's difficult yeah. to get ahead of it. Sometimes all you're doing is, like I said, like, you know, you are just jumping through hoops of fire. That's mm, why mm, the biggest takeaway for any stand-up comedian all over right now, in my opinion, is that you should be uh, able to and, and uh, have the right to perform the jokes that you want to perform Yeah. in your venues you want to perform, given you get all the licenses and bang your heads with standards and practices and mm, sensors and all that, go and do your show. 
But there's a very set of rules if you decide to put any part of the show online. Mm. Be be wary of what you're putting online and yeah. who that new online audience is you will be getting eventually. Mm. And, and, and so, how have uh, comedians in Singapore and Malaysia taken this? Like, wow. like, like you said, you, there's these lessons that you learn, but uh, broadly, like I'm sure all the comedians, you all have your own like chat groups and everything and people are responding uh, differently, yeah. La, right? Yeah, I, I, I think this is something that is, it's a little bit divisive. Okay. Um, because on one hand, uh, there are, there always will be, and there are comedians who will uh, unequivocally defend the right to do and say whatever you want to say in mm. a comedy club in yeah. a room. Because uh, that's what it is. It's supposed to be a safe space mm. for you to go and do your jokes. Yeah. Uh, and they are correct. I do believe that, you know. I do believe that you every opinion or every person in one way or the other in some comedy room around the world is represented. Yeah. Right? Because uh, they get to be who they are and say what they want to say. Fair. Okay? Uh, and there's also, uh, the division comes because once you put that version of what you want to say on social media, mm-hmm. then the gloves are off. The rules are off. Mm. Right? Just as much as you will argue that, hey, but it's my social media. I have the right to put it up. Yeah. Okay? Then people also have the right to react. Mm. Mm. Are we going to defend the right of people sending you death threats? Mm. Are we going to go there? Are we going to defend the right of people telling you that they want to attack your family? Mm. Are we going to defend the rights of people who are doxing you? Yeah. The internet mob? Are you going to yeah. defend that right as well? Yeah, that's like it's like people are saying like that's hate speech, right? So yeah. It, it, yeah. you know, even social media sites have the right to take that that stuff down, uh. Yes. Yeah, but do you think like what she has been saying in her joke does that would that qualify as hate speech? Wow, I wow I, I think hate speech is about intent, and I mm. can't comment on her intent. Mm, mm. You know what I'm saying? It's yeah. a bit tricky for anyone who, who's not in the room at the time or to, to comment on the intent. Yeah. If you write those words out <laughs> on a piece of paper yeah. and someone reads it, oh, fuck you, fuck Malaysia. <laughs> Obviously, okay, la, that's hate speech. Yeah. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but it was not meant to be read out as, as words. That's the mm. other side of the argument. Yeah. You know, so I think uh, the intent, only the person saying it or doing it can yeah. tell you. Mm. If it's, my opinion is that stand-up comedians do comedy and mm. jokes mm. to elicit laughter from a room. Yeah. Uh, there's not just a bonus or it's a fucking requirement of our yeah, job. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I would think that that is the intent yeah. for all of us. By default, right? By default. It's, it's, that, comedy, it's yeah. part of our job. Like for the, for, for, uh, for, um, uh, for the bus driver, mm. the intent mm. is to drive safely and get you to the to stop at every bus stop you suppose, and get yeah. to the location, right? Yeah. For uh, the cops is to keep you safe, yeah, right. Uh, for the stand-up comedian, is to make you laugh, yeah. B- basic, uh, right? Uh, so that's why I think that if you're taken out of context, it is very possible that that might be taken as hate speech, mm. Mm. but that also means that we are saying that 
Con- the comedy seller condones hate speech. Yeah. <laughs> Are we saying that? <laughs> Perhaps not, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think the mature discussion here would be that, look, these two things were done in, or were consumed in two different ways by mm. two different audiences in yeah. two different parts of the world. Yeah. And they consume content very differently. Mm. Yeah. So some, some comments also saying that, uh, yeah, like, understand that this is a comedy seller and, and it's stand-up comedy and you're reacting to the audience, but wouldn't the process of writing all this material, wouldn't you run it by people who are from Malaysia and Singapore and, and uh, you know, even comedians from Malaysia and Singapore? And wouldn't, do you think that most Singaporean Malaysian comedians would have total, hey, this one, you know, might not fly with, with the audience? Uh? Don't say fly. <laughs> um... I don't know, man. I don't. Maybe, I don't. I think if you're in, again, in that part of the world, mm-hmm. in New York City, and you are performing to that, those people, yeah, and these jokes have been working, yeah, then you think they are working, ah? yeah. Why? Why? I mean, why? Their people mm. are laughing. What? Mm. I've worked very hard on this joke, eh? Yeah. People are laughing. Yeah. So that is one side of it. But like I said, the the game changer is when you put it on social media. You're yeah. no longer performing to just that. Mm, group of people mm, mm. now and if you've not tested this joke on Malaysians in Malaysia for example yeah. then you won't get that that feedback that oh shit yeah. what this won't go down well mm, in, in Malaysia yeah. why it's f- you see yeah. so if maybe if she had the opportunity to do that I, I, I don't know I, I don't know for sure if she did yeah I, I, but I see I see like some people literally have done side by sides of say uh, certain Singapore comedians mm making fun of like the ringgit three to one, uh-huh. you know, the whole, that whole exchange rate between Singapore and the ringgit uh-huh. three to one thing. And then also it's like making fun of Malaysia. What? But because it's a male comedian, it's a male, you know, uh, Singapore comedian, oh, that no he gets la. less, he gets less flag than what Justin Chia is going through. Oh, I disagree with that. I don't think, well, well I, gender disparity in stand-up comedy is mm. a huge um, thing. Yeah. But I don't think that's so in this context. Okay. My opinion okay. is that no. So so if a young Singaporean comedian comes, hey, Rishi, I got this bit that's making fun of Malaysia, uh, you know, like really, really striking at the heart of like the fact that Ringgit is dropping uh-huh. to, to record lows. Uh-huh. And uh, yeah, you know, Singapore, we where like literally got people, everyone's clamoring to mm. stay mm. here and buying GCBs and all that. Mm. Uh, what would you tell this young comedian like about the joke like that? I'll say uh, in the short 12 years I've been doing stand-up and in the whatever 50 plus years that Singapore has existed, there have been mm. a lot of jokes about the ringgit and bashing the ringgit. Yeah. So if you're going to go down that road, you better have something damn good mm. or damn new or damn exciting that's not been covered or is a new perspective or something that you know nobody else has thought of. And sure, go ahead. If you've got something, the audience will tell you mm, that mm. they will be with you if you've got some angle that, oh man, I didn't expect the comment. Like, you know, when someone starts a joke about Malaysia bashing or like, you know, uh, talking about Ringgit and all. Yeah. Almost every time I'm like, ah, oh, okay, please, please let this be something that I don't expect. But most of the time you can kind of see the punchline coming. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know? Uh, very rarely have I you know, seen, if there's something that I've, uh, that I have thought of, then I would do it. Mm. But because I don't have something that's super exciting or new or what to talk about, I don't really, yeah. I don't really attack it. Yeah, 
And I, I, I do feel that a lot of these jokes coming from Singaporeans or Malaysians about, you know, the other side of the causeway, uh, it, it, you can tell it comes from a place of like, we're so familiar with each other. We've, we've interacted so much. We have friends across the causeway. We, li- we love each other's uh, food and culture and stuff like that. Mm. But, you know, this is where we'll, we'll just say something to just jibe each other. Like, it always comes from a very friendly place. Yeah. And that's where, like, I, I, I can't find fault with that. Uh, versus, you know, you know, like what you said, the context of someone in New York, you know, making fun of uh, the tragedy and all that. And it's mm. very, very different. Like, yeah. 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 It's, uh, it's a sad state of affairs. Like, and I mm. think for mm. the... I did say that, you know, there's a bit of division on what people uh, have opinions on, which is very yeah. normal. You know, yeah. comedians are opinionated people. Everybody mm. has their own opinion, you know. But I think what we are definitely in it together about is, this is the challenging part, that there might be a chilling effect mm. on the scene here in here. this region. In, oh, in the region, okay. I say this maybe preemptively, Mm, only because mm. I've seen certain things in the past, you know. I, I mean, we, we, uh, it's no secret that I've been on the receiving end of some of. The, what does that mean? <laughs> Siri, what is listening in? Are you like literally Damn talking you, about the Siri. chilling, the chilling effect? <laughs> no, because sometimes what happens is that uh, because of one incident like that, mm, mm. an entire uh, uh, network or an entire system of yeah. of of. Uh, of bureaucracy gets awakened and nervous right? and they're Very like nervous. oh yo now we need to watch how stand-up comedy is done here mm-hmm. there. Um, and I think the comedians in this part of the region have worked really so hard over the past decade or so to kind of uh, build a trust with the audience mm-hmm. build a trust with even the censors and the yeah. and the licensing boards yeah to let them know, look, I know we are in Southeast Asia. Mm. I know that you have concerns about concerns about you know how conservative and how we shouldn't be discussing or shouldn't be talking about certain things. Yeah. But on our end, we've worked so hard in a way to kind of prove that look, we can talk about taboo issues, mm. difficult mm. topics, politics, and and current affairs and things and race and, yeah. and things you are thinking are not kosher for comedy we can do all those things mm. responsibly mm. Mm. and sometimes speaking responsibly requires you to speak a bit recklessly yeah you have to be courageous enough to go there like I yeah. said I talked about the line and flirting with the line and we work so hard to build that relationship with our audience and all that and now unfortunately something like this mm. maybe has an effect on the rest of us going like, yeah. oh, okay, the sense of, okay, look, because of the current climate of this, we need to scrutinize a bit more. Maybe it's not a good idea for you to talk about X, Y, Z in your mm. next show. Mm-hmm. Uh, hasn't happened yet, I won't say, so I'm not going to like preempt it, but in the past, when certain uh, aspects or certain uh, events like this have occurred, there have been spillover yeah. effects. Yeah. And I, uh, I think um, on behalf of the community, I sincerely hope that it's not the route that we take. Mm, mm. Um, no, it's, pretty, it's true. And I, yeah, I didn't even think about that. Uh, that, you know, it would not, not say the, the audiences, you know, but like, yeah, institutions, uh, you know, brands, businesses, anyone who works with 
comedians as personalities and hosts and all that, yep. they will start being a little nervous about, they could potentially be a little nervous every time something a bit more touchy is brought up. Yeah, and uh, I, that's why I think that there is a sense of, um, uh, you know, you, you want to definitely support the right Mm. to be able to do the content that you want. Yeah. We all want to do that, yeah. right? Uh, it's just that the the rules are very different mm. in different parts of the world. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So that's why like, it's perfect timing that you're going to New York City to right this wrong. Yeah, like the, <laughs> the hero that we <laughs> never I, knew we needed. Right? Going to New York City to right this wrong. <laughs> oh man, I hope I don't get like you know, assaulted or what, man. Shit. No, I, I think it's a... Uh, yeah, like, like I said, I think people from the region, the when we make jibes at Singapore, Malaysia, the, the relationship, it comes from a a place of like, yeah, understanding. And, and it's, like, it's like it's like you're quarreling with your family, right? You know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, uh, look, I, I, I don't think there's any comedian on either side of the border hmm. that I have met in my 10, 12 years that I wouldn't sit down and enjoy our jokes with, enjoy our banter with, go to a mama, have some nasi lemak, yeah, or yeah. come here and have some not so exciting nasi lemak. <laughs> That's for you, Malaysia. Yes, thank you. Yeah, your nasi lemak, very good, very good. Um, yeah, and at the end of the day, you know, Malaysian stand-up comedians who come to Singapore, they get a bit of a, oh, but they get so much love. Yeah. Exactly, you know, yeah. and same thing for Singaporean comedians going to Malaysia, you get a bit of, oh, our next comedian is from Singapore. Oh. Mm. <laughs> but then you go out there, you do your jokes and people love it. Yeah, I've never touched wood, you know, once been in a situation at a, at a show where there has been uh, hate mm. spewed mm. towards a visiting comedian from either nation. Uh, uh, and I, I think it will remain that way lah, okay. for the large okay. part. I don't, I, don't, I don't see, I mean, I hope it doesn't change lah. It's all love, uh, all love between Singapore and Malaysian comedians, uh, which is, I mean, yeah, we just hope for this the whole thing to bear itself out and not have any, like you said, chilling effects yeah. on the industry. Like, right? it's, it's, it's learning for all of us. Like, you know, at the end of the day, all comedians all over the world, like I said, you know, it's not just our intent, but it's the job yeah. to ignite laughter in a room full of strangers. Yeah. That's what we all strive to do, you know. Uh, so hopefully we can all continue to do that to the best of our ability. Like. That's what yeah. I hope for. As uh, someone very famous once said, do good, do together. <laughs> <laughs> Is that Chan Chun Singh? No, it's uh, President Halima. Oh, oh sorry, sorry, sorry. <laughs> that was her campaign, her campaign message the last time. Oh, nice, the last nice. Uh, presidential Oh, your segues are getting election. better. Like, <laughs> so good, man. But yeah, that is precisely <laughs> the perfect point to segue. Talk about something else that um, a lot of people are talking about as well, which is the there is a new uh, presidential candidate who has thrown his hat into the ring mm. to fight against uh, Tarman, you know, who last week also dropped the bombshell announcement of him running, uh, dropping out of uh, politics per se and running for election. Mm. But this new candidate is uh, George Go, an entrepreneur, philanthropist, uh, someone who hasn't been on the radar exactly, mm. you know, in, whether in public sphere, because he precisely because he has a you know mostly stayed away from uh, party or political affiliations, uh. mm -hmm. and uh, just this couple of days he's announced his intention to run for president. Um, so he will be going up against Darman himself. Uh. So, I mean, but before all that, uh, right? Um, 
how did you feel when you first heard the news that Taman was coming up and putting himself out there for the presidency? I didn't expect it, to be honest. Mm, like like mm. a lot of Singapore, I did, really did not expect that to happen. Yeah. Um, I think he did this, this in his press conference, he did this analogy about field games. Mm, yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. how he doesn't like to be the centre forward. <laughs> how he prefers to... You know, plan the game from yeah, the yeah. back. He sees himself as Messi, like He's like he's like Messi of the team, la. He said he likes to play. Uh, what he likes to make back, that deceptive back. pass, <laughs> and that's what he did, right? Yeah, he yeah, essentially, yeah. you know, the whole of Singapore is like, what oh, Darman for PM, Darman for PM, and he went actually. Uh, let me just pull one no look pass, yeah. and he's like, I run for president. Oh man. Uh, I, the first thought was, yeah, he's more than qualified. Mm, right. Definitely, yeah. It's, I mean, his resume... Overqualified, if anything. Yeah. For, for, I mean, in the past, what, 20 plus years in in uh, in governance, mm. in policy making, yeah. especially when it comes to the economic side of things, chairman of MAS. Yeah. Yeah. I think he was involved heavily in the uh, Skills Future program mm. as well, mm. the progressive low-wage model. Yeah. So... I think, yeah, more than qualified. But mm. the one thing that did strike me is that for all his, um, uh, I mean, I've talked about this in, in uh, on the Rishi Report as well, but I think yeah. for all his experience in, in policymaking and governance, he, as the president, he won't be doing things like that mm, anymore. Exactly, yeah. Right. He will be holding a bit more of a ceremonial role mm. And also, I think guarding the, they call it the second key to our nation's reserves. Yeah, yeah. So, I think uh, when it comes to him representing Singapore on the world front as Mm. the president, I think that's probably the best part of this whole thing. Mm. Because of his, you know, very strong standing with his counterparts in various parts of the world. Uh, I think he's earned that. So, I'm excited about that. I think you know him representing us on the world front is is a very positive thing. Mm-hmm. But you're you're talking as if uh, he's already won the election. If and all that. he gets elected, <laughs> gosh, I've said this multiple times. If yeah. he gets elected, but now now you've seen now you're seeing the the other side, the, the candidates that are coming forward to contest with him, like, right? What I mean, a lot of people are just basically like, ah, Taman is a show win, it's going to mm. be walkover. Mm. So I think this is also surprise lah to people. Mm. That there are going to be, or at least there is one other candidate. We don't know about his eligibility yet. Um, but what what do you think when you first heard this these headlines as well? That George Go, is, yeah, George Go. Want to know what I first thought? <laughs> what do you think? You really want to know? <laughs> My first thing was like, wow, if he gets elected, got Harvey Norman sale about that. <laughs> A discount. I'm renovating my house. Uh. I need some new furniture. Free washers for everyone. Yeah, <laughs> Every I, Singapore family. Yeah, man. If I get elected as president, all right, man. I all everyone gets sofa and TV console for free. Plus one blender. <laughs> the blender will be a swing vote. Like. If I get one yeah, of yeah. those nutri bullets where I can mix my protein shakes, uh, bro, I'm yours. <laughs> no, but. <laughs> These were my first crazy thoughts. But um, I had to look him up, Mm. to be honest, because I didn't know much about him. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. Like you said, he's been out of the political sphere. Um, So every time there's a presidential election in Singapore, Mm. there will be some uh, front runners. Yep, yep. uh, And then there'll be some who 
kind of fulfill the criteria and say this is my dream I want to serve Singapore I'm going to try I have mm. uh I have managed a, what was it a 500 million dollar company yeah shareholders equity in the, in the yeah. past right yeah for uh, past for like at least three years I think like uh, something like that so, so that is a huge requirement mm. I think mm. that's the only reason I will not be running <laughs> This is joking. I said, should I just submit the papers? Uh? And Cheryl is like, actually, bro, don't submit. You might win. I said, we can't win. We don't have a five million dollar share equity experience for the past three years. And age wise, age wise as well. Forty five. Forty five. Yeah. Why? Ages, long? I mean, there's 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 one thing people say like, why why you know now the Finland Finland prime minister is what in the thirties yeah. or was in the thirties. And, Wait, you're uh, talking yeah, about okay. presidency, lah, right? Specifically, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, yeah. So forty-five is the the age cutoff, lah. Uh, yeah, okay, lah. Okay, we got we got like a, a few years to go and find one five hundred million dollar company, <laughs> manage it for a while, and then straight away jump <laughs> into uh, presidency. Straight away jump into watching President Star Charity. <laughs> Um, yeah, so I mean, I I think there should be a contest. Uh, I don't believe uh, any healthy. Um, governing or any healthy political scene should have walkovers, yeah, uncontested yeah. elections of any kind. Yeah, so De- I delegitimizes the the whole uh, position as well. Like when you don't, when people say, "Oh, you didn't fight in an election and win or anything." Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I I do feel a contest is good. Mm. It's healthy. Mm. Yeah. Uh, whoever I mean, if you are listening to this and you are thinking of uh, you know uh, running for presidency. My first thing would be like, if you are thinking of running for presidency, why the hell are you listening to us right now? <laughs> Go and do something more productive with your time. Uh, but if you are, I would say do it. Yeah, you know, yeah. don't hold back. You know, uh, you never know. Yeah. Well, I mean, if you really have something to bring to the table, mm. if you really feel like you have the strength or some kind of contribution you can bring to the nation, yeah, you don't have to become president to do it. Mm. But if you're already making a difference in your own spheres, in your own circles, in your own society, in your own community, and you yeah. feel you want to do it on a bigger scale, definitely go for mm, it. Don't hold back. Yeah, I do. I, yeah, I also see it's a it's a very good thing that someone is coming forward. Mm. Uh, the only thing I, I did notice was that uh, I feel it has been in the works. Uh. I think he definitely has. You know, he fulfills a lot of the objective criteria in terms of managing big company mm. and, and, you know, and the age and blah, blah. But I think it was really in the past 10 years, like his, he said, you know, he's this charity that he set up, I think it was about eight or nine years ago, like, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, that he set it up and, you know, it's I think it's helping um, people in Nepal, if I'm not wrong. And then he also has taken on a non-resident ambassador role to Morocco mm-hmm. as of 2017. So that's about... Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, seven, eight years, uh, six, seven years ago. Wow. So it it's not that his whole life he's been been working towards, you know, a more public profile that make that would be suitable for someone running for president. But I think it's in the last 10 years. Lah. So yep. to me, it, it's quite... It's not, not questioning his motives or what for whether it's running a charity or, or becoming a resident ambassador, but Definitely those things in the past 10 years have helped uh, put him in a position yep. that, that, okay, about public service, not just about enriching yourself or taking care of your family, but it's about thinking about others outside of your circle yeah. and, and you know, being a diplomat and everything. Yeah, so, giving back in some yeah, way. Yeah, giving back, yeah. I, so, I did read, oh, sorry to cut you off, but I did mm. read that he uh, made this decision in 2017. Oh, wow, okay. That uh, if... Uh, 
I stand corrected by one yeah. of the articles uh, if we could fact check this at some point but mm. I did read in 2017 he made this decision that I think if uh, Madam Halima didn't stand for a second term he yeah. would he would uh, uh, make an uh, approach for it I see I see yeah, I will try to find the articles but uh, I stand corrected yeah um, even uh, SM Dharman also said mm. right that his decision to come out and run mm. uh was something he had been thinking about for a few months mm, mm, mm. and it was only when uh, madam halima announced that you know she, she will not be running for another yeah. term that he said okay then maybe you know, mm. step forward lah yeah i think his justification was was very powerful lah, that yeah. uh is about the geopolitical situation in the world mm. and not just about uh you know in the region or you know isolated to terrorism or whatever yeah it's about you know international conflict and the yeah. kind of people that you need to put into at the as the faces of these you know negotiations or relationships between mm. countries mm. so it's very true like like we're navigating this world where there's literally a, a war big war going on whether it's a and eventually people are saying china us at some point is either going to be a direct war or a proxy war which mm. probably means like they fight over or they support different sides of in in a war which yep. is kind of scary to think about it Um but yeah this this that's the thing about George Go like the we really didn't know anything about him before like, like, like your joke about Harvey Norman as much as we laugh about it but it literally was that's the thing that people latch on when they when they hear about this guy's yeah, background yeah. Harvey And, Norman but that, that's like every year you will have some of these folks who like you mm. really didn't know much about you didn't yeah. know about their intentions like I think in the previous run where the second chance there was the second yeah, chance yeah there was the <laughs> the dude from second chance as well yeah, yeah, right yeah, when yeah. it was a reserved election yeah Um uh, so I I think that's okay. Yeah. Um uh, again I feel like it, it is healthy to have more contest than less. Mm. Because that in a way uh like you say legitimizes a proper democratic process. Yeah. So yeah. all for it man more more contest you know whether Harvey Norman best denki the owner want to come so <laughs> God's owner want to come in no problem we have a price war for your furniture. <laughs> To see who can get presidency, you know. I don't yeah. know. Your longer, you know, installment plan can be zero percent for can, longer period. We can make it work, guys. Come on, <laughs> one Singapore. Yeah, I, I think one thing that that a lot of people are happy about is that there will be, there should be a public holiday if there's an election also. Hey, that's interesting. Yeah, you know what came up? Uh, was this? Uh, I was at an event yesterday hosting mm. a dialogue between uh, Minister Chan Chun Singh. Oh, okay. And future. Uh, potential leaders mm. of various uh, institutes of higher learning yeah. from the polys, ITE, unis. It was a course by the National Youth Council. Mm. Right? Okay. So, uh, I asked an important question. I feel an important question. I asked yeah. Mr. Said, why why should all these people, these, these young adults here, care mm. about the future of Singapore? Yeah. Why should they give a damn? Mm. And he brought a very important analogy. He said, and maybe he has shared the story in the past, right? He said that His mom, in her lifetime, yeah. <clears throat> has sung four different national anthems. Mm. Mm. I think it was "God Save the Queen" when it was the British Empire. Then I think they had to sing the Japanese one for a while. Yeah, Nagaraku, and then Majula Singapura. Mm. So he says, and this was very thought-provoking, lah. Okay, because he goes, the reason young people should care about Singapore is. Do you ever want to sing a second national anthem in your lifetime? Mm. Mm. 
which is damn. Oh, I'm like, what oh, if I'm a, if I was like a poly or a UD student, oh, I'll be like, oh, wow, that's a scary thought, man. <laughs> Minister is going to these places. He said it's a very real thing, right? There are some places we call it. Uh, he said uh, again, paraphrasing some of these discussions, uh, yeah. but. Uh, he said that if you if you care about the future of Singapore, mm. you want to remain Singapore, and if you want to continue, you know, having this life in this nation and be called Singapore, then you, as the future, have to care about the future of this country. Mm. You can't mm. you can't run away from it. Yeah, yeah. Right? And that, I mean, I, I I'm bringing this up because of what you just said about how uh, the geopolitical situation in the world is in a bit of a precarious position right now. Yeah. And why it is important for the right person to be president and become mm-hmm. the face of the nation in some ways, right? Uh, because a lot of what this generation, you and I included, are doing is that maybe we are trying, at least what I feel is important is that we are planting seeds mm. for trees that we know we are never going to sit in the shade of. Mm. Mm. We are hopefully doing things based on our individual strengths, yeah. weaknesses, contributions, whatever we bring to the table mm. to build a better society for uh, the future. Mm. Children, you know, uh, their kids, whatever, whoever the future generation is or maybe. Yeah. And I think whether you become president or not, whether you serve in political office or not, mm. everyone can make a difference and everyone can make a contribution. Mm. Well, there was a very interesting discussion with Minister Chandran Singh yesterday. Yeah, I just want to say with the young leaders, and that really hit me. But he also did say one thing, and um, this hit me even more, mm. being who I am. Right, so he said, I asked him, you know, any closing thoughts? Yeah. for the young leaders here. He said, "Look, between all of you here, mm. there might be one, or there might be some of you, one day down the road, who." will be involved in Singapore, Singapore's National Day of 1990, uh, Singapore's 19th, 5th birthday, 100th birthday, mm-hmm. maybe involved in organizing the parade or whatever, National Day Parade. Yeah. I just want you to remember to save two tickets for me if that happens. <laughs> <laughs> it was like, that's what he that said. It was his closing, man. <laughs> wow, drop the mic, man. That's Very it. good. La. I mean, I was, I was uh, positively uh, engaged in mm, this discussion because mm, mm. I love working with the youth. Genuinely, okay. I, I do. I, I feel like they are literally on, on, always on the verge of excellence and I yeah. learn so much from working with young people. Yeah. You know? Uh, and Minister was, he brought his A game la, to this mm. dialogue. As the Minister for Education, he was like, you know, he engaged them and then he ended with a joke to me. He was like, oh, not bad. Well, not bad. Huh? Like, well, well in, done, man. Uh, comedian hosting the event and the <laughs> minister is like, the one that drops the... He's the one who gets the, the biggest laugh. <laughs> oh, man. Wow, did that, did, that, did that feel like... Did this thing in some way that like, take away the... Shine from you, no la, bro. making the jokes at the event. Hey man, <laughs> given the current situation, I think let the politicians do the jokes for a while. Yeah, yeah, for a while. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> Go ahead, sir. Oh, no, but it was man. positive. Like, it was good. I mean, I I enjoyed the session, and it was, you know, in a way inspiring, in a way enriching, in a way. Yeah. I feel happy to be a small part of this. You know, helping young people figure out their place in society. I know it sounds mm. damn flaky. Mm. But I, I genuinely feel mm. that there's room for that because all these young Singaporeans today, they are not 
of the same generation that we were. I think now yeah. they are much more global citizens. Yeah, correct. Yep. But they are also not as clear or mm. focused about what they want. Yeah. Which is true for every every generation. Correct, correct. Right? Everyone young doesn't know what they want. Yeah. And even if you think you know what you want, it's maybe a, a wild guess yeah, or, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, not really 100% because you yeah. never know where life takes you. But yeah. having sessions like this where you get a chance to listen to, okay, you know, some important discussions, you get a chance to make friends with people from different walks of life. Yeah. You get a chance to exchange ideas with mm. fellow youths. Uh, and the most beautiful thing is that they were mixed from all the IHLs. Mm. It means you've mm. got someone from NUS hanging yeah. out with someone from IT uh, West mm. in the same room discussing what is important to you yeah. as a young leader. Mm. Mm. So I think that is very healthy. Oh, yeah. yeah. I, think, I think it's, it's important because it's like, sure, uh, you're a young person and Coldplay is coming and then yeah. <laughs> and you, you're like, okay, I'm very excited. I want to buy tickets. But you ask yourself, why is Coplay doing four concerts in Singapore and <laughs> not doing it in other parts of mm, the region? Mm. Mm, mm. There's a reason for that. And maybe it's worth thinking about why Singapore is like, they're doing four concerts. I, I can't imagine. I never heard of any international act coming and doing like four concerts in Singapore. Exciting, like, like huh? In our days, like when we were like teenagers. All One the, night only. If they come ready, it's fucking yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah, it's yeah. like, wow, they actually... No, give a shit about Singapore, you know, like yeah, yeah, one night only. But is it? most of the time, the one night only shows are damn lousy. Yeah, yeah they're damn lousy because like there's so much expectation and yeah. everyone just goes and it's like packed and everything. But and then they will just yeah. perform songs that are from the new album that you haven't heard. Yeah, you know, I'm yeah. sad, man. <laughs> and then they'll throw in one or two classics just to appease yeah. the fans. Yeah. But Coldplay didn't do that. I mean, for all the concerts they've done here, they've done twice they here did, before, right? Yeah, done, yeah, a couple of times. And yeah. it's every. Every time the review has been like, I miss both, but both uh, the reviews were like, everybody's like, oh my God, what a yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. amazing show. It's a, yeah. it's a show. It's not just, you know. It's a religious experience. Yeah, They put they put on a show, mm. man. I've been to one, uh, I think it was in France, if I'm not wrong. Oh, nice. It was really quite something. Damn. Like, compared to, I mean, you, you think like just, four, oh, sorry. Is that you? Yeah, it's a cult. But four dudes, like just four dudes just singing and, and prancing on stage and playing instruments. How interesting can it be? But, they really make something out of it, a spectacle yeah, 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 of it. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, that's uh, Rishi Budrani, 2030, like making a case for planting the seeds for a uh, run at presidential election, maybe. The one next day, time. La, huh? one day. <laughs> one day when I start making $500 million from comedy. <laughs> no, no, no. They just, you just need to get someone with a $500 million company to hire you to sit as CEO for ah. three, three years. Okay, la, ministry, yeah. you're funny. <laughs> when you all make your 500 million, then I will come and sit on the board yeah, as yeah, a Yang for three years. <laughs> Just occasionally come and do the podcast. <laughs> do the podcast. <laughs> and then after that, we go for presidency, bro. That's yeah. the plan. Just to let you all know in case you all are going to like expose us in the future, this is the plan. Correct. Okay? You heard it first <laughs> on Yala Bird. It was seeded here and planted as a seed for generations of Singaporeans later yeah, to discover. Man. Beautiful analogy. and uh, But yeah, that also is a good place to talk about your one shock thing. Uh, oh, wow. I don't know if you have it ready already, but um, <laughs> or I could go first. So, so just to okay, give okay. a bit of time. Can I talk about something I'm doing? <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Obviously, uh, you know, definitely. The one shock thing. Okay, put it wait, one. Yeah, yeah. Is it okay? Can, can, can. Well, the reality is that I didn't come here to plug my show, but <laughs> it just so happens that yeah. I've just announced my show this week, this oh. the last week. Okay. 
It's a new show, a new stand-up comedy show happening in September called Rishi Budrani AI. Mm. Uh, the AI stands for Artificial Indian. Okay. <laughs> so yeah, I put a lot of thought into this title and this part. Like I thought that this year I want to do a show where just the title is the first punchline. Okay. Mm. Uh, so it's, it's something inspired by, of course, you know, this whole discussion on artificial intelligence and mm. algorithms and, you know, chat GPT, machine learning, all that stuff. Mm-mm. And like, I got to put it into context for all of us. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And hopefully along the way also uh, have some discussions about my confused identity as a Singaporean Indian comedian hoping mm. to go to New York City. Mm, coming back with the show. Are you are you going to be using any AI to help generate jokes or come up with? Let's say choice? AI will be involved in some way, lah. Ah, ah, okay. Without giving away too much, mm. because I don't even know. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> uh, there will be some elements of it, but how far we are going to go with it, we don't know yet. But we you tried. You've tried using ChatGPT to uh, do anything. Somebody called me up based on ChatGPT the other day. Someone said, uh, "Rishi, can I ask? Uh, uh, would you be? Uh, are you a Tottenham Hotspurs fan?" Uh, uh. I'm like, no, Liverpool. Why? They said, oh, we have a Spurs event coming up and ChatGPT said, and you are a Spurs fan. I said, how? What did you type? They said, oh, which celebrity in Singapore is a Tottenham Hotspurs fan? My name showed up. So just to tell you, ChatGPT is obviously not very accurate (laughs) when it comes to this. But yeah, so uh, that's the one show. The, the why I say it's a shock thing this week is because we got super early bird tickets yeah. for my birthday month mm. in June. So what I'm okay. doing, I'm guilt, guilt tripping my fans into buying tickets this month. Yeah, how many performances are you doing? Four. There are two mm-hmm. nights that are confirmed on the 29th okay, and 30th nights. September. Uh, mm. and it's the it's a bigger theater than I've done my solo show in. It's the okay. Drama Center. Ah, okay, okay. Uh, it's a nice room. It's big enough to accommodate more people but yeah. still a very intimate venue that allows mm. me to see you if you are late so yeah, yeah, fucking yeah. come on time but <laughs> so, go, go for four nights uh, do what Coplay is doing just four nights of, of uh, I mean pr- 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 producer wise uh, producer brain say sell two first uh, then see oh, how <laughs> uh, sell two first then see how you think Coplay is worrying about that oh how do you think we'll be able to sell out four nights uh, the, I guess the, the the aim is to get to a point where you don't need to worry lo. Uh, yeah. or you can just do the show Yeah. so yeah that's what I'm focusing on I mean of course I just want to tell people that yeah. the early bird is on now where, uh, where can you get the tickets artificialindian.com artificialindian.com you, I you bought, bought the domain bro <laughs> wow that's Harish this one is de- dedicated to you this is my Cindy brain working yeah. over time <laughs> wow you're really committed to the to the title like there's no turning back from no it, turning no, back bro yeah, I mean yeah. because I believe in it I believe that you know there are some discussions about how you know they have these topic, topics about you mm-hmm. know uh, Indians living all over the world yeah. how if you're not living in India or not born in India then you are actually not really Indian yeah. And, yeah. you know I mean yeah I think that's true for anybody born uh, even Singaporeans have this mm. identity crisis a little bit so yeah. there'll be some discussions about that so okay. check it out if you have time it's going to be a fun <laughs> hopefully exciting show Okay, awesome. I mean, my one shook thing was actually also related to uh, tech, tech and AI and all that. Okay. Uh, it's the New York Times podcast, Hard Fork. Uh, their latest episode was, I mean, they spent a good amount of time talking about the new Apple Vision Pro. You know, the headset mm, that they have. Mm-mm. And uh, yeah, just to how to think about it, because I think there's a million and one opinions about whether, you know, oh, it's an awesome device, but it's too expensive, blah, blah, blah. But uh, yeah, they, they raised some really good points and, and case studies of what Apple has done in the past like, mm. and how to think about what this device is and where it will be in five years, in 10 years. So one very interesting they brought up was that 
uh, yeah, Apple is not hundred percent. They don't. Not everything of theirs works. Remember, Apple once had a had a social media site called uh, Ping. It oh. was meant to compete with like Facebook, you know. Oh yeah, Ping. Yeah, and what happened to it is is dead, like, Right, right, they, right, they, right. They let right, it go. Right. Uh, but but that's social media stuff, like, But mm. now it's about hardware and integration with software. Nice. And uh, they they so they think back to the recent history of uh, think about one Apple device that when it was released, like everyone was like, "What the fuck is this shit?" <laughs> um, and actually they they said it's an Apple Watch. Right. Remember when Apple Watch yes. first came out, um. Like people are like, what is this for? Who's yeah. gonna use this? Yeah, I can't see the time. What's wrong with my watch? Yeah, right? yeah. But now today, everyone like, okay, uh, you know, like uh, I would say a good a good amount of people I see just wear Apple watches and not, no other watches. Really, yeah, yeah. Like, right? I think they fixed it in like three versions or so. Like they took they took a couple yeah. of versions before they. I think SE or onwards was. Yeah, yeah. Quite okay. Quite yeah. good. I wear an SE right now. Yeah, exactly. Way. Yeah, I wear one so and it's it's really for health and fitness. Yeah, keeping track of like uh, things and all. That's a damn good show thing, man. I mean, the one yeah. thing I did think of of when I read about the um uh what's it called the Apple, Apple Vision Vision Pro, Pro yeah, right? Vision they, Pro, yeah. This is the probably the first device in a long time where they straight away went to Pro. Yeah, yeah. They didn't go like iVision. <laughs> It didn't bother, Apple yeah. iVision, <laughs> iVision Max, yeah. iVision Pro, Pro Apple Vision. They straight away, this is the Pro version, man. Yeah, yeah. That's why it's like what three three thousand five USD. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's like you might as well go for holiday first and then wait for the price to drop. <laughs> you know, I'm excited about it, lah. I, I, uh, given the fact that Apple runs my life now, uh, basket like you <laughs> know my Mac, my iPad, my Apple Watch, I got all the damn things. Uh, yeah. I sincerely hope I don't buy this. <laughs> <laughs> wait like we had the series 5 yeah the series 5 when it's a bit more affordable but yeah so it's uh, uh, yeah interesting way of uh, dissecting the whole release like, and, and thinking about all these tech gadgets longer term and where, where, where they're taking us to yeah, yeah. I'm um, yeah man I, it's a discussion for another time but I mm. I personally don't want or don't need another thing in my life that keeps me away <laughs> from reality you know what I'm saying exactly. like this artificial yeah. reality thing with the headset all, oh man yeah, yeah, I, yeah. you know I would like to scroll my iPhone watch a movie or read read a read an ebook on my iPad but you can go on spiritual journeys like in the metaverse and everything like this. you don't need to fly all the way to Thailand to do it man isn't that awesome Thailand ties our spiritual journeys for a long time now man oh. for sure without having a vision pro <laughs> very spiritual journeys in Thailand yep. but yeah but uh, yeah thanks Rishi for coming down again hey pleasure and pleasure being on the show as always man big supporter uh, of uh, of the Ministry of Funny and big supporter of Yala but you know yeah. keep doing the fantastic work y'all are doing so besides the show, like uh, where else can people find you? Hey, uh, you know, most of my updates come on my uh, social media pages on Instagram or yeah. uh, Facebook or even TikTok now at yeah. Rishi Budrani, R-I-S-H-I-B-U-D-H-R-A-N-I. That's where you can find most of my stuff. I upload uh, some exciting uh, episodes of the Rishi Report there. I yeah. update uh, stand-up clips, mm. uh, me joking around at clubs, and sometimes uh, I post up pictures of my gorgeous dog Lakshmi <laughs> awesome so check out yeah you can find Lakshmi Lakshmi is it? Lakshmi L-U-X-M-I yeah on at Rishi Budrani on Instagram and wherever you get your get your social media fix so thanks everybody and we'll see you all soon goodbye